everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Just before we get started, I want to remind you that here on the My Minds podcast, we do often talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, exercise addiction, suicide, and other potentially triggering topics. Usually in the description below, I will write down what we talk about specifically in this episode. That being said, I do hope you enjoy this, but please do be careful. Hi Tess, how are you? I'm very well, George. I am actually flying quite high because we've just done our first ever public campaign and did a crowdfunder and we've just hit our target and oh I feel my like God. I've been running a marathon for six weeks and yeah literally just happened as well so uh very happy elated um really proud and honored of the support that we've got so yeah so I'm you good we, yeah you? I mean that's that's incredible so you sent me a a text like this morning about the crowdfunding and um, so yeah. have you have you just have you met it like since then is that what's happened yeah yeah oh my today, god today i had this determination to get it done by the end of today um and yeah we've managed to do it which is amazing and you can even you can overfund now because we've still got two days left of the crowdfunder mm. so you've got we can go up to another 60k um so welcoming donations still but now i can breathe and relax and Ah, oh, great. <laughs> That's so amazing. Well done. Congrats. Um yeah, that's actually incredible. Um yeah, I didn't even I didn't expect that to be the start. So this is just yeah, what how ex- what exciting news. That must be yeah, the the fact that you've cuz how long have you been trying to how when did you like get the first get first get the idea for what you're doing and uh, the so the crowdfunding platform, we basically applied for like almost like a grant with British Airways and they match fund you on the platform of Crowdfunder if you get this grant. So we had like a finite amount of time to do it until their pot of funding went out. And we were like, go, go, go. Got production companies involved who worked pro bono. We had all these people coming along and supporting us and getting us going from creative agencies, um, volunteers. Uh, a lot goes into a three minute video. <laughs> to get 40 grand but very helpful having half of it given to us from british Airways. so we've only mm. had to raise 20 that's it's still incredible though Twenty thousand. that's like amazing that's so amazing how how what span of time did you do that in so we actually got halfway in under two weeks what? and then we it finishes on sunday so we've 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 hit it in under four weeks 40 grand yeah that's unbelievable and i but i feel like i feel like we need to now because some people listen to this podcast and have no idea what we're talking about yeah um, so <laughs> let's let's talk about so we're talking about being there which is your app that you're launching um so yeah i guess in a summary what what is it okay so being there yeah, it's a charity and we've set it up we've set up an app uh where people who are struggling with their body image can chat safely chat to somebody who's been there and gone through something similar and we want to make sure it is a safe place so all of our mentors have been vetted and trained and it's a chat platform for people to get support um learn from somebody who's been there and yeah we've basically spent the last 
I mean, I came up with the idea like two years ago and then we've spent the last year and a bit piloting it, trialing it, testing it, um, getting a, a load of founding mentors and putting some uh, spaces out there to be mentored. And through that whole pilot, we've been monitoring and evaluating it and seeing what does it, do people want it? Does it help? How can we make this better? Um, and we've got now to a place where we need to expand the service. We have we have too many. We need to meet the demand. So we want more mentors to um, yeah to help. Oh, amazing! So it might be that people listening to this pod could could get involved mentoring. Is that is like it, how do people yeah. get involved? Like how how could someone help if they wanted to? Yeah, so to be a mentor, um, so it's a volunteering role and it's about an hour a, a week, sometimes not even that. And you can apply by literally downloading the app from the App Store or Play Store. And you can fill out an application form, which is, we say, allow like an hour. Um, so there's a lot of in-depth questions there and you send off two references. And then if that, if you, um, you know, if we, if we, if you're a right fit, then we would do a DBS check. And then there's a training course. And then throughout being a mentor, you'd literally, sorry, you set up a profile and then you'd be given mentees. And throughout the process of mentoring, we want to make sure that everyone feels supported and cared for. So for every 10 mentors, there's a mentor manager and that's your on-hand person to chat to and check in with every other week. And then we have a monthly mentor meetup where we have loads of different things happening within that month, within that meetup, meetup, I say it's online, um, so that we can access, some of our mentors are overseas, so it's quite cool actually. And that's an opportunity for us all to get together, but also learn and develop as we go, um, so that mentors are also getting something out of it. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It sounds like such a nice little community to be able to like talk with each other as mentors and meet up and and yeah. So you're not only are you helping other people, but you're also getting some support for yourself and and meeting like minded people who want to do a similar thing. Like, yeah, it sounds sounds really good. Well, I'm sure you'll notice actually from even just doing the podcast. Like you've got your own story and your own experience, but the minute you start helping somebody else through that it's like this whole other layer of healing and it's amazing. And the impact that it's had on our mentors already is really profound. And um, it's just so amazing to know that people are getting so much from it as well. Yeah, I, th I think definitely even, yeah, I guess I sometimes feel bad about talking about my mental health with people or like sharing my story with people because I feel I've, I've a lot of time I'm doing it hot, like a big chunk of it is selfish. <laughs> like I'm like, I am, I'm here to like help and to you know, share with you my story so that it helps, helps you as well. But like, there's a big part of me that's like, this is great. Like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling so much better about my story right now. I can, you know, I'm understanding myself better. I'm getting this like in depth, like, yeah, like it, I feel like it helps me. Um, yeah, I guess like charter a course through my own story and, and getting other people's opinions on that. And especially people who are going through the same thing that helps me kind of zone in on, on what was going on. And, and, it, and even, you know, I've been doing it, I've been working on our mental health for years now. And I think I still learn something new every time I talk to someone about it. Yeah, that's really true. Selfishly, we get something from it, which is, is also nice, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. That level, that other level of development and healing, Mm. yeah yeah it's 
Um, yes, yeah, so like I said, sometimes I feel bad about it, but it's not. It's not a bad thing. Like it, it's doing a good thing, but and it's also helping you as well. So yeah, it's it's really great. But yeah, I, I want to um, kind of talk about the reasons why you started being there. And I know you've had your own kind of lived experience with body image issues and and disordered eating and things like that. And I've had my own experiences with with them as well. And there's some similarities that I think we have. Um, But I want to, yeah, could you tell me a little bit about your story? And I might butt in occasionally and and ask some questions. But in a way, okay. Um, Yeah, so I was quite an overweight youngster. And I think that's kind of where all of the diets started bless my mum, she would take me to Weight Watchers and I remember getting sent to this fat camp. Um, I didn't realise it was and then I kind of, yeah, understood after what was going on and, um, yeah, felt deeply hurt that I was was put in these, taken along, forced along to these things. But, I mean, it was all in the best intentions, my mum. Sorry, just but the... the the, uh, the idea that fat camps exist is like terrifying to me like yeah I, I don't want to be like you know please tell me if you don't want to talk about this but like what kind of stuff did they do uh like a well it was a it was a rowing camp for overweight youngsters oh god okay yeah it, it was when you re- when i realized what it was i just felt so i felt even more shame ashamed mm. and the whole part of my childhood was so focused on me losing weight and um, rather than like why I was overweight and unhappy. Mm. And, and that even took, you know, led on for so long. I remember when I was struggling with an eating disorder, I, I was still focused on like, get it, stop being sick rather than stop making myself sick rather than why are you doing that Tessa? Mm. Um, So yeah. We're all with the best intentions, my mother. Sorry, mum. I got sent along to all these things and tried to lose weight, um, put on many different diets. And then, um, and I guess, I, you know, you're a youngster, like, I don't know what it was like for you necessarily, but I just didn't fit in. I didn't, like, physically fit in and couldn't share the clothes with your friends and getting called fat by your friends. And um, I remember there was a party, um I don't know if I've ever said this to anyone, but there was a, there was these parties that we always used to go to, and there was a list of people who, who was on the list to come in, and then it said on the list no fat people. So I got sent away from parties from for being fat. Oh, oh my god! god. This even like chokes me out thinking about it. Um, yeah, so so always feeling like I never really fit in. Yeah, and, I, and then, sorry, sorry to sorry to put in, but yeah, I like a. I, it's making me kind of emotional hearing you say that because like I, I don't think I ever had that exact experience but like I, I was um my kind of story like people who've listened to the pod will know this I've said this a million times so I'll, I'll keep it short but um I basically I had an injury and then that meant that I couldn't walk for like a year and I gained a significant amount of weight and then came back um to school like much much bigger um and then like I think the the big the scariest thing for me was like the contrast in the way I was treated, or at least it felt like this massive contrast in the way I was treated. So yeah, like I I completely get that. Uh, yeah, that idea of being kind of um, left alone, Just unaccepted. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And disregarded, and 
Yeah, and to be honest, George, like we don't know what people have gone through to maybe then maybe they are unhappy and overweight, you know, mm. and we could take two different people, like a guy who's a kid who's grown up in a household that's super ha- healthy family. They maybe they're a little bit more wealthy and they get they can buy all of the organic foods and it's all about fitness and health and that's just the way the family is. Or you can look at another guy. Josh, who's born into a household where they may not have the money, they they think they don't know exactly what a healthy diet is, and he's he's an overweight child versus the other kid who's perhaps not a more athletic. And then you're like, is that their fault? And to be quite honest, we have some people on the app who have been had deep trauma from childhood, and weight sometimes it was for me was a was a cover up. It was don't touch me I don't want to be touched and like abused so I'm going to put on weight to 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 try and put you off so I think that yeah I don't I can't remember what my point was but like this like that yeah the fat shaming Mm. thing like we why can't we just be more accepting and forgiving and understanding of people you don't know why they're in the situation that they're in. Yeah, I, yeah, a hundred percent. I think, yeah. I mean, it's horrible to hear that you went through that kind of stuff and the yeah, the having to yeah, using it as a as a way of yeah, trying to stop something else that was going on. And yeah, it sounds really tough. And I, I imagine that kind of um like delved into your disorder like so for me my my dad was an alcoholic when I was younger um so mm. I'd struggled a lot with stuff going on in my house that my that, you know like I always used to see my dad as these like two people there was like my actual like my dad that I saw in the day who was sober and was loving and and kind and you know whatever and then there'd always be this like monster that you know, I'd, I'd get woken up in the middle of the night by my mom and tell telling me to run into my little sister's room to, to and like lock the door and like sit up against the door to keep it shut and stuff like you know. And I think for for me, you know, being big and strong, you know, so eating more food and being that that kind of fed into my issues a little bit. Um, so I can imagine you know maybe there's kind of similarities there, and it, it's like a deeper thing, isn't it? And again, that's another thing where like people just see the way you look and and assume like one thing where there's so many variables and also you know the assumption that someone who's who's in a you know a larger body must be unhappy or like must be must be a negative thing like i am in i have like compared to when i had my issues i have a much higher body fat level now but i'm so much my life is so much better i've got so many more things going on and i feel so much better so i'm in a net positive um yeah, it's just weird that we assume immediately that it must be negative. Yeah, 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 it really is. Yeah, we need to definitely have more compassion and acceptance of people. But it also starts with yourself, doesn't it? Um, as soon as you can be more compassionate and accepting of yourself, then it it's easier to do that for other people. Um, so the hurt people hurt people, as that saying goes. And um, yeah, for anyone else who's had those situations, like just holding that saying with you just really does help um yeah so back to my story <laughs> is so then um yeah um not being able, not fitting in and then actually George when I was like 18 years old I went um on a ski season and 
I still was quite overweight, felt like I didn't fit in. And I watched Desperate Housewives, you know, Desperate Housewives. I haven't watched it personally, but my mum loves it. So I'm semi, semi aware of it. Know about it. Um, American sitcom. And there's a woman on there called Gabby and she's a model. And she says to these younger models in the program, oh, you can eat the pizza, but just chuck it up after. And I thought, what a clever trick. Amazing. I basically started having meeting disorder without realizing, and yeah, that it. I was so obsessed with my body image. It was um, it was horrific, really. And I went after ski after my ski season. I went to get into yachting season, so on boats. And if you know the yachting industry, you have to have a picture on on your CV, which I notice loads of people do these days. Actually, um, you have to have a picture on your CV, and we I was with my friend in France at the time and getting into the industry was quite difficult but there was a job opportunity for a stewardess for three months we both applied and the woman immediately was like I'm going to come downstairs and I'll interview you right now and she said oh Tessa I'm going to choose your friend because you you're too big for the uniform so then I instantly told myself oh you're not going to get a job until you're thin enough you're unlovable you're unworthy you can't you know you can't even get a job because you're too fat and my eating disorder just blew out of the water and I was obsessed with wanting to be thinner thinking it would give me everything that I wanted mm. yeah I mean I don't I, yeah I think I've, I've got kind of two two standout things there for me was one that episode of Desperate Housewives where they so they didn't just the idea that someone would film someone say oh this like obviously disordered eating behavior and leave that in like that's like can you remember how that was like I guess shown in the episode was it shown as a problematic thing or was it yeah I remember they were all I literally can see it so clearly there was loads of kids they were all, all yeah young and Gabby and they were doing a modeling shoot with Gabby and then they all got given these pizzas because she was saying, you know, you need to be on this diet for modeling and la la la. And then these pizzas came out and the girls were like, oh, we can't eat those. And she said, yeah, you can eat the pizza, but just chuck it up after. And yeah, I mean, there is there is lots of I, I actually did notice when I was older as well that um, even now, I'm sure there is like actual talk about eating disorders on um, on programs on. But But I wonder if it's if it's okay or not, you know, because it's like, well, are you telling people about something that they don't even know exists? And you're kind of like, they, like it happened for me, it kind of created an issue that I would never have otherwise known if I hadn't watched that program, probably. Mm. So is it good that we're talking about it? Or is it not? But particularly for like the younger audience, who you're so highly impressionable at that age. And yeah, like seeing somebody gorgeous on TV telling you to eat the pizza, check out after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Good yeah. one, Tessa. Well, I think yeah, in regards to the um, yeah, like telling telling people about eating disorders and whether that might, inc- I guess my my take on that is that especially nowadays, if you want to find information, you'll find it. And I think if if certain people are um, then inclined to want to lose weight or have you kind of internalize that thin ideal and and want to get down to that they'll likely google it and then the chances of them finding negative or like you know finding disordered eating encouraging stuff is higher whereas if they're 
their first information about it is this is what an eating disorder is it's not a good road to take here's a person who's had experience of it and they say it's a bad thing to do maybe then people are at least be more prepared to when they if they even if they do still go and search they might see that and think oh i remember that thing i watched that said that this is an eating disorder and that actually leads to to bad things so i think i think you know i think in that sense i think we're doing i think it's a good thing i think talking about that kind of stuff like um is useful in that sense and and even if it's just you know maybe you're teaching the parent to tell the kid about that or you know that that, Mm. that kind of thing and i think yeah just putting those connotations on it so that someone doesn't stumble across it like like we did you know i I was kind of similar my man was in the fitness industry you know like on social media and people talking about the bulking and cutting diet and and cheap meals and stuff like that and you know so much of it is about trying to get bigger getting a bit more muscular but also leaner and losing weight so i so for me i guess yeah in in a similar way i thought oh well obviously the best way to do that is i'll eat all the food so i can gain muscle and then i'll make myself sick and then like you know then i won't get the, the body fat and it obviously doesn't make sense doesn't work that way but in my head i thought that makes perfect sense and i guess yeah, it's similar to is, you like the flick switch the switch is it like we thought we were robots or something like it would just go mm. in and out like like there's just so much going on in there like it's mm. not that simple yeah the th- sad thing for, for me though i think was that it worked mm. at the beginning particularly and and that aided it spurred me on to want to do it more and and mainly it was water weight. Like when you're making yourself sick, you're just, you're just, you're puking up everything that's inside you that you, no wonder you look thinner um, mm. without that. And it, like water as well, that water retention thing is pretty big. But my, my road of recovery, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that I was in recovery for like, I was basically struggling with an eating disorder for 11 years and I, and I, I didn't want to get better for so much of it because I didn't really know I had a problem like yeah. I didn't I was in such denial George I remember sitting down with my sister at a bar so I used to work overseas on boats I did eventually get a yacht a yacht job um surrounded by gorgeous people and um yeah so I came back one time for a holiday and I sat down with my bar, my sister at a bar and I said oh I, I make myself sick sometimes and she was like uh you have a you have a problem I was like, what? I, I just thought it was really clever. Like it was working at the beginning. And and then as soon as I thought I had a problem or I was being told I had a problem, I just thought, that's it. I don't I don't want to be here. I don't want anyone to think I have a problem. I don't want to be worried about. I'm gonna go and work continue to work overseas. And I had this like dream of going of being overseas and working and then coming back and being all thin and people commenting on me and mm. and it was just like this this obsession with my body image went went on for so long and when did it I don't know what what was the big moment when I realized enough was enough like my hair did fall out like a lot of my hair was fell out um I got stomach issues and I I actually started I remember I knew I had a problem but like I was saying at the beginning I was focusing eventually knew I had a problem even uh, but I was so focused on not making myself sick than why I was doing it. So I started a secret Instagram page and I would literally only post like below my nose so that no mm. one could tell who I was. Um, albeit somebody did actually find out and um, ask many years later, but um, it was like a diary to just talk about how many days I 
had made myself sick basically that was like my whole aim Mm -hmm. and I went on for so long but if somebody just or if I just realized like that's not the problem Mm. why are you doing that Tessa so through that period of of like kind of making a bit of a change I wanted to get better I wanted to stop making myself sick was the main reason but I did wasn't I wasn't addressing why so when I started to kind of like want to get better I realized I needed to let go of the diet which took which I, I couldn't do I didn't want to do it didn't mm. I, that's, that was my goal I still wanted to be this fantasy fig- figure 11 years in still doing what I'm doing and I'm not any different but I still believed that I could get that I thought that gave me everything I thought it gave me a boyfriend money a job a life like attention all these things and even with like my bones protruding out of my chest, it's, I still, it still was never good enough. And I, I did think this is enough now. Like my period stopped for a year. Um, and most of that year I was still in denial that I had an issue. And then I told somebody, told people about the period thing and they made me realize it was an issue. So mm. I sought help and I went to, I went to counsellors. I went to loads of different counsellors, actually. Um, I heard that, you you know, you have to go through a few to get to get one that fits. But I honestly went through so many. And then I went to different therapists. I went on personal development courses. And there was just something missing. There was, like, no one. I just wanted somebody to just sit down and say to me, I get it. I've been there. I felt like I couldn't open up to them properly. I felt like they didn't get it. I felt so ashamed. I felt so alone. I felt so judged. And then eventually I went to EDA, which is, do you know, Eating Disorders Anonymous? I don't think so. Oh, wow. So it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, but Eating Disorders Anonymous. Yeah. The the ones that I've heard of were called um, Overeaters Anonymous. So maybe it's just like, Maybe that was more like for binge eating disordery stuff and EA's slightly different, maybe something like that. Yeah, there's loads of them. There's like Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Overexercises Anonymous, like there's so much. And it's in London, so it was quite difficult for me to go when I was on a boat, but came back to land and oh my God, it took me so long to walk through those doors. But eventually I did on a Saturday morning and you can ask for a sponsor which is what I call a mentor. And that's somebody who's gone through the 12 steps program and is now in a good place to help somebody else. So I immediately asked for one. And the cool thing was, I never even met him. We spoke through the phone. It was free. He'd been there. And I felt like I could speak and open up in a way that I'd never been able to before. And it was, it was flipping huge for me. It was amazing. And it completely changed my life. And not not even before he'd even spoken, you know, just being able to like offload and speak in a way that I never felt like I could before. That was huge. And then going on that road of recovery, like with having his support was amazing. And I was in recovery and um, and I have I have that to thank. And I think that finding relatable help is really difficult to find. Mm. It still is. And I think that as you know we're in this mental health situation now and I believe the thing that's missing is that we're not helping each other enough and I think we can 
maybe we don't know how or maybe we don't want to or we don't have the platforms to do it or we don't we don't know so we need training or something and being there is the beginning of that I think it's a way in which we can use our experience to help other people in a way of mentoring that's not just for the workplace it's for mental health it's for each other it's a way of us helping each other Mm. amazing amazing that yeah I, I had no idea that it you originally started at like a 12-step program as well like the the because my so my I said before my dad was an alcoholic when I was younger and he's now been sober for I think coming up on 12 years um and he runs AA meetings in like the our house and so I'm really familiar with the 12-step program um and so it's really cool that you you started from that but yeah that's such a nice way of it kind of and yeah inspiring into it and I want I want us to to now move on and talk more about this the being there app and I I, but I really want to just go back slightly to one one thing you were talking about before because I think it's really important and for people who are maybe struggling with these kind of things is um I completely agree with you that one of the biggest issues with eating disorders is is they work like the you you build up in your head so much that if I like start looking different then people will like me more respect me more and i'll i'll feel better you know and or whatever and and at first you do like at first you often do feel like better and you do seem to get more respect from people and you do seem to you know I'm, my, a lot of what i do is in looking at the gym and looking at um sports and stuff like athletes get better when they first start their disordered eating because they 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 you their body to power ratio, ratio changes and they suddenly performing better so people encourage it and then people encourage me and it sounds like people might have encouraged you because they were you know, treating you differently yeah. um and that's the that's the biggest problem isn't it is is then you get further and further ingrained and then when when in you know a year's time or however long it is when you start having the negative things and it starts affecting your life and people say you've got a problem suddenly they're taking away the thing that's that's like fixed you in your head you know in inverted commas the yeah. thing that's finally fixed you finally helped you people are now like oh you should stop that because that's a problem and that's terrifying you know it's it's so scary is that kind of how you, is that kind of how you experienced it as well yeah I just I remember the feeling of um somebody saying you have a problem that really really hurts because you just feel so different you just feel so far removed and I think that's maybe also another reason why I struggled with like professional help maybe at the beginning was because I didn't feel they could relate to me I felt like or even just other people like my sister I just felt like I was all the way down here you're the way all the way out there you're super happy and content and fulfilled and bare and I'm Mm. down here struggling so much and I don't even want to talk to you about it because I I feel like an idiot. Mm. My mine was yeah and I yeah mine was like that as well. But I also and I don't know if you agree with, like maybe you it's different to me. But I also became so like arrogant and like almost like narcissistic in the sense that like I I know better than everyone else. Like if someone told me I was wrong, I was like, nah, you just don't get it. Like you don't you don't understand the level that I've got this to. Like I've got this down. I know how this works. This does make me feel better. I still feel like crap 90% of the time, but I get that 10% of feeling all right now that I never used to have. So I, part of me was like, you know what, you don't you don't fucking know anything. Like I'm I know this like and you don't get it. Yeah, I remember that there was like a, it was Valentine's Day, actually. And um, 
I went for dinner with my sister. It's my sister again. And I used, I had this job in London and I moved from an eating disorder to a, a over exercising, just moving it on to something else. And uh, some would say a healthier obsession, but um, who knows? And I just would forgo hanging out with people. I'd forgo everything to go to the gym. Everything was about gymming. And I remember when my sister called me up on it and I was just like, absolutely not. Like, this is a healthy obsession. Like, this is so good for me. And just completely lying through my teeth. But I am really um, quite impressioned by my sister. So it took me a while to be like, she's, yeah, she's, she's right. I'm, I'm not even going for drinks with people at work. I don't know people at work because I'm not making effort because I'm more fixated on going to the third workout of the day and cycling to work and then going to back to back like what are you doing yeah I there was definitely that like I know best but I didn't really I didn't really speak to many people about it I was so it was like this big secret and I was a chef on a yacht like to open up to somebody about me binging on food and making myself sick whilst being a chef like hmm um See that that's so, the sorry that that's the thing that I I was going to say we have very in common was I worked in kitchens too I when I so when I when I, I was struggling with bulimia um or like kind of I was I was doing lots of different things but um I went to culinary school for a year which is like I feel like it's the biggest like irony ever um but yeah me and you both did that so I yeah I get that I like I get the the fear of talking about the fact that you have a problem with or people even talking to me about the fact that I had a problem with food when I was working with food and that was a real struggle for me especially working in kitchens because everyone wants you to taste stuff all the time and I was struggling so much to even eat anything that Mm. yeah there was a lot of fear there I mean most chefs don't actually feed themselves well at all I'm, I'm sure that the industry is riddled with eating disorders and I remember being on a yacht and I was I was researching to see if somebody else I just wanted to find somebody who'd been there I'd troll the internet and yeah I was like yacht chefs chef chefs eating disorders there was just like nothing it was literally nothing but I mean you know eating disorders have been around for ages and yeah we 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 really need to put a stop to it it's it's the most unhealthy obsession And I think a lot of the time people don't know that they have an issue. And that's why being there, we're calling it body image issues. Near enough, most people do have an eating disorder, but it's that admittance to yourself. And it's also, it also has that weight, an eating disorder. Like I had an eating disorder, I was making myself six, eight times, eight times a day. Would I tell you, would I I say to myself I had an eating disorder? No. Would I Google eating disorders? No. Um, and yeah, and, and also near enough, like body image issues does can turn into an eating disorder, self harm, and closely linked with suicide. So can being there get the people before it escalates. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's so important what you're doing. At least, even just like you say, um, it being that first step towards realizing the kind of greater issue if you go just for like a body image concern and then you can realize that because yeah it, it, it like it might even myself like i um i've been suicidal and kind of you know practiced i've got as far as to practice the the 
what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And that was purely because of the way that I'd felt about my body and my, you know, you're talking about your exercise addiction and, and that kind of stuff. That's kind of, that's my bread and butter. That's like, I, I do the exercise addiction is my, like, that was my, that was my big thing. And that's kind of what I do with my mind is talk a lot about those kind of things. Um, and yeah, that's such a huge problem in this world because, because people do see exercise as healthy, you know, you're doing if exercise and it is healthy in a lot of ways as well. You know, exercise is, if we know there's so many studies that show exercise is really great for us, but no one adds that caveat on the end of like, but also it can be dangerous if you're doing a lot of it, or if the reason you're doing it is out of fear or out of anxiety or out, you know, some doing it because you're scared something might happen if you don't. Um, mm. no one talks about that um but yeah and yeah. then it can lead to that it, yeah exactly yeah. and it leads yeah, to those I've... horrible horrible positions where people feel like yeah they can't keep going yeah yeah it really it really does and and acknowledging that though is one thing isn't it I remember actually being on a boat and I um I went on a cycle ride and I had I had I, I based my cycle ride mainly on calories like there was a point where it was enjoy I do love I love cycling but there's a point where it goes from enjoyment to punishment and that was the line that that was a line that I'd always always cross it was 100% into punishment like it didn't feel like enjoyment anymore and I really had to understand like and be aware of why I was doing that and that unhealthy obsession and how it makes you feel and it just yeah it's not nice anymore I went like how's your relationship with exercise now I I um, I don't think I do believe that some people can um, get recovered but I personally don't think I ever will be I think I'm always going to struggle with it I think for, for me with exercise now I've almost gone like too far the other way in that I now every time I want to exercise because I've exercised for like 11 years now you know I started when I was when I was 15 and one and kind of was doing it for the disordered reasons and I've kind of gotten better but now I've now I'm kind of questioning whenever I want to exercise like why I'm doing it to the point where I'm like almost part of me scared to do it in case I'm doing it in a disordered fashion so and I think because of that I'm not getting the benefits of this is something that I enjoy doing and something that I'm good at because I, I understand how to do it and I've done it for so long that I'm kind of i'm teetering and i'm trying to kind of figure out yeah part of it is that i guess developing for even further self-awareness of like am i doing this because actually i do enjoy it uh, and it's not because i feel like i need to um yeah so it's getting that but what about yourself i i, I don't i don't really like that i don't really necessarily agree with your narrative there because i don't okay. think that's very um nice to put that on yourself like you'll never have that relationship back um I remember when people would say to me, like, it's about dealing with your eating disorder, not like it's never going to go away. Mm. And I just thought, <laughs> I don't want to live with this. I don't want to keep it at bay. I want to feel free from it. And I feel I do feel free from it. I def there's, there's, there's conversations that go on in my head, but is this mega amount of awareness and questioning mm. that you can grace yourself whereas when i was struggling it was there was no period of grace there was straight to the food straight to the exercise straight to the distraction and the biggest thing that we'll find in eating disorders is people just can't be 
with themselves. Mm. And part of that is we'll fill, fill ourselves with food or exercise. So like taking that time and understanding your motives. Yeah. Why am I exercising like now? My relationship with exercise, I love it. Like it just makes my life. I've had two, I woke up yesterday and it's been raining in England for a while, hasn't it? But yeah. yesterday was a really nice, beautiful autumnal sunny day. Oh, gorgeous. And I went and cycled to Richmond Park and I met a group of people and I literally can't think of anything better than waking up in the morning, getting outside, going on my bicycle and chatting to a group of people while cycling, like just makes my heart sing. And I tap into those feelings of like joy, bliss, Oh, euphoria. I feel so good when I'm doing things like that and not doing that huge long ride that I did that day on the boat when I realised this is not enjoyment anymore. This is punishment. Mm. And I'm now so I'm enjoying it for what it is and not what it does like physically to my body. It feels good to be like fit and active and strong and healthy. Um, but being having that ultimate awareness of what it is giving you. I mm. think is is the key, but it's a but it but it's difficult. It is not di- is difficult. I think in a way, like you have to practice it. Mm. You have to practice that awareness of and asking yourself why why. I think w- we should ask ourselves why a lot of the time. A lot of people are posting on Instagram, and you think you just kind of maybe sometimes you should ask why you're doing that. Is it helpful, or is it is it just a you know like a self post or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, why yeah. making the time to ask that? I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I've got a couple of points. I guess the fir- first thing I would say is I think for for me, I think I, I guess people understand recovery in different ways. And for me, I quite like the like I like the like existentialist philosophers. Like I like the idea of life is always going to throw crap at me and I'm always going to feel difficult at certain times, but I'm now strong enough to deal with that. That's the way that I like, I, I kind of like seeing my life in that sense of like my disordered eating and disordered things around exercise, the thoughts and the, and the feelings are always going to be there to a point, but I'm strong enough to deal with that now. So I guess that that's kind of what I meant by um, that. I don't think it'll ever go. I think the thoughts will be there, but I've, I've okay. developed this, this, way of looking at it um separately now um and then i had another point but i've now forgotten it but anyway it doesn't matter so because I, I want to I, what i want to do is and I, I don't want to keep you for too long but i want to go on to talk about the app a little bit more but um also i want to move on to the this is quite an early time for the devil's advocate but i want to do the devil's advocate so it's time everyone for the devil's advocate it's the devil's advocate. <laughs> I love watching people's reactions. <laughs> Can I just say I was I was literally sat on my bed with a mic and I like I set it into the mic really close and then I moved the mic away from my my face as I is you wouldn't you, you couldn't you couldn't tell the poor production value from how amazing it sounds could you just yeah amazing it sounds... i genuinely thought you got somebody paid somebody else to do it yeah yeah i and i, I couldn't agree more um anyway <laughs> the devil's advocate question is couldn't it be dangerous getting help from someone who has had similar issues um 
how do you make sure that mentors aren't just making things worse? Okay, so point one, um, help from somebody with similar issues. Yes, good question, because we definitely all have our own bias and our way in which we've necessarily handled things through life or, um, yeah, so that that is something that comes up in training. A big part of training is your own biases, getting really clear on what they are and the way in which the training is, is so that all of the emphasis is on the mentee and there are a lot of questions that are being asked rather than, I would say a bias would come up by an advice by saying, I think you should do this. I think you should do that. The way in which we're trained and the way in which it's, um, cause I'm also a mentor on that, um, is to blah, blah, blah. What was I saying? Sorry. Um, is to ask for permission to talk about your own experience and you can talk about your own experience in the most helpful way for the mentee, but, that isn't seen as a bias that's giving the opportunity to show hope or a different point of view. Um, so good point. And throughout the mentor, throughout um, the process of being mentored, all of the chats monitored. So we monitor all of the chat and throughout that we're giving feedback to mentee mentors as well. Um, and we have a very like fine defined been their way and that's part of the process of being of the training course um so we're kind of making sure that we're not we're adding value to people's lives and mm. we're flat we're constantly flat like, you know we're flag if situations arise if um a mentor says something untoward or a situation arises mm. yeah I, I i always kind of have like an answer in my head of what i think you're gonna say and I, that's kind of like those you know exactly what i, I thought and it, yeah it's brilliant that you're doing that the kind of the question the question le leading with questions and not yeah giving advice yeah fantastic um and yeah i think i think you're I, I really appreciate your honesty in the sense that as well that like you know it's always going to be something that's going to be a, a risk and I, th I think that's a risk with any help if you ever get help it like there's if there's a human being involved there's always you know some kind of risk but you're putting those boundaries in place and those steps and those protocols that are like you know try your best not to to give advice to someone recognize your own biases that kind of stuff yeah that's i think that's yeah it sounds incredible um do you have i, I have a question do you have do you have many like um men mentors because uh, we, I think it's we, rare. We actually don't, George. Mm. But we actually have two. Actually, we have three on our waiting list. Amazing. So we're still really small. We're still really little baby charity. We have ten founding mentors, and yeah, they're all they're all women. Um, well, that's a that's a people. I'm people men listening to this podcast right now. Go to being there, please. Go help. 100%. The cool thing also for the mentees as well. So we now have. We have 15% a male, so small, but great. Um, but also, if males are listening and they want to use the app, you can be anonymous. So you mm. can tick and be anonymous and you can put up one of our pictures. You don't have to use your own picture. So for all we know, you're, you're, you're not neither, you're whatever you want to be, basically. Um, so it gives the like nice freedom of being able to communicate to somebody without your name and picture, which goes a long mm. way. Now, I'm just thinking because so um, again, a, a lot of what I do um, and my kind of areas of interest are around muscularity. Um, like 
issues so disordered eating and exercise addiction and that around trying to become more muscular because that's why i had my own lived experience with um rather than being thinness orientated i was trying to just become like big and muscular and strong and i think that tends to be more common in men it is definitely seen in women as well and i always i, I you know when as soon as i heard about this um app i thought this this could this could morph into a place where people who have that have that problem could find help because people who have had similar stuff could be there and and um helping people through that because currently there's not much help for people like that and um, so it's great that you're getting men involved and hopefully it can be a place where someone you know, again if anyone's listening to this podcast who wants to help out people like it'd be amazing to if you get in touch with tess and yeah try and do so but yeah i think that's yeah really exciting it's such an exciting charity like the, the potential is is amazing yeah i hope so i actually set it up george right at the beginning um for every different mental health problem and then through the app you could through the algorithms you could match with somebody who's gone through something similar and then with the trustees so when you set up a charity you have to have trustees and they're kind of like your board almost and they help me realize that we need to concentrate on one area and do it really well and that of course was body image issues so um we went down that path but but part of doing that was exposing myself and I wasn't quite ready for it um but now we're all good about it and actually like our future plan would be to be able to do that to go back to that that idea um so that everyone can help like find that relatable help that's amazing yeah so you've kind of got that growth and that progression in sight how are you find because i know you did you did a trial run recently right um so how did you how did you find like the mentees the people who were were kind of going through it what kind of feedback did you get? Like, how have you how have you found it's been working? So we worked with universities. Um, we worked with quite a few universities and gave us a like selected amount of places um, out. I did a lot of talks, um, and then we just because the app is available on the App Store and Play Store, we we had to find out an amount of places because each mentor at the beginning actually we had each mentor um, having five mentees. This was part of our you know understanding what's right and what's not um and that was definitely too many so we've loaded it to three um and yeah so the, the it was available to the general public as well so it was just word of mouth but we didn't really we we didn't really market we wanted to really concentrate on building on credibility building what is needed what people want um so we have pop-up questionnaires on the app so we're getting feedback, testimonies, um, understanding like what people want. We obviously read all the chat. So we learn a lot from the communication that goes on. Um, and then we check in with the mentors. A big part of it is, you know, how are they finding it? What's happening with their mentee? Um, and then we've been doing like some development calls with our mentors because we've got it. We've been we had outsourced a training course to begin with. And we've been working on our own bespoke training course and part who better to create a training course with than the mentors. So we've been doing a load of development work with them. Um, but your question was more about, um, yeah, the feedback that we've been receiving. So yeah, it's, we've had wonderful feedback um, and it's been very positive. We had, we ha- we've had over 50 people use the service. We have a, a lot of people still using it today. We have about 40% are anonymous. Um, we've got very clear, a, bit, a lot more clear, actually through the whole pilot very clear on the process so I've kind of always had this idea that you we could always just have this help available whenever we wanted 
but actually it doesn't it doesn't bring about change when you know something's always going to be available so we've got a six month limit on the app now um yeah does that answer your question no yeah it does yeah thank you um it's, it's great to and it's good that you're kind of collecting feedback and it's great to hear that people are like in yeah finding it useful and are there any kind of changes that you've made from that trial run or is there anything that you I suppose you said the the five down to three is there anything else that kind of came up yeah um so we do post because it's an app there's loads of things that you that we put in place on the app to change like intro slides like all this kind of stuff but there's loads more things we want to create within the app um that we've got clear on through that process but part of making changes to an app is money being a charity, we rely solely on um, donations and grants. So um, until we have the funding to be able to do that, we'll, we'll, it's good where it is. It does the job um, as much as I'd like to add on those changes. <laughs> and then, and also training. The training, I think that's been the biggest part of it all, like really getting clear on what is this been their way. Mm. And I had the idea before, but ha- like we've learned so much through this experience of the common issues how it's been dealt with what's been helpful what's the feedback been um so yeah the creating our own training course has it's probably been the biggest thing and then also our level of supervision i always had this idea of supervision being needed um and yeah just making sure that our mentors feel supported it's Mm. so important their mental health is very important we've had a lot of crisis situations within the app we actually had it in the like within the first week um and something that i set up at the beginning was to have this sos page so in every corner of the app there's an sos button and that links you to all the crisis helplines okay so nice. um it, but it's a very simple app it's just it's a chat functionality it doesn't do much more we're building our resources um and building a few more things to kind of give the best service really mm. for people um, for mentees and for mentors amazing and and when are you when is it kind of up and running like fully like when like have you got a kind of a, a time where you want to where people can start using it properly well now people can start using it properly now it's just always going to be um for the next like four months there's a lot of things we want to put in place so changes that we want to make to the app and then we want we're the whole point of the crowdfunder is so that we can raise money so that we can recruit vet and train more mentors and we currently have a waiting list and we want to get a load more people through mm. uh, before the end of the year so that we can and that's kind of more of a launch like the app's still available it's available to download on app and play apple and play store but we wanted to we want we want to be able to have more places available and mm. um and meet the demand so we need more mentors and for people who, so if someone does get the app now, can is there like a criteria that you have to like get through in order to start, or like how how like if I did if I just downloaded the app, how what's the the pathway for me to getting to a men, mentor? Um, so there's a few questions, um, very simple questions, and then you set up a profile, and we will match you with one of the mentors, and it's just as simple as that. They will reach out to you within 48 hours. Oh my god! And wow. you chat you just chat like whatsapp basically and also interesting with the research and stuff that we've been doing is do people actually want like a calling function or a mm. or a video call or a voice notes and it's a people love the chat people really do love the chat it's like that crisis text line is done yeah. phenomenally well 
um albeit it's not the best to say that but um in the sense that people are more encouraged to open up because they don't have to they don't have to speak Mm. um there's a lot more freedom you can it's not so regimented on replying or having one hour a week for therapy it's it can work alongside therapy of course but um yeah it's a lot people love the chat function which is great yeah, well, no one likes phone calls anymore. Like, <laughs> I know if I get a phone call, I'm, my anxiety levels immediately uh, hit ten. Um, but yeah, no, I, I won't be calling you. Call you <laughs> yeah, so. just, as long as, as long as people text first, and I can mentally prepare myself. It's just the sudden call that scares me. Um, got it, got it. <laughs> uh, Tess, I want. Uh, I don't want to keep you for too long, so I'm going to move us on to the final three, um, which. So every one of my guests has asked the same three questions. Well, recently we've changed one of them ever so slightly. Um, but um, yeah, they're pretty much the same one. So the first question is, well, another thing as well is someone else pointed out to me that they're not really questions. They're more like statements, which you'll figure out in a second, which is why they're now called the final three rather than the final three questions. And um, people who are regular listeners will know who that was. I'm not going to shout them out. Let me know if you know who it was and I will. you will have my respect. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first one is uh, name a person that inspires you. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's so tricky. Damn it, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> Why didn't I know? Um, right now, right now in yeah. my life, probably, so I'm not very big on celebrities. Like, if you tell me a celebrity name, like, I probably won't know who the hell you're talking about. Brad Pitt, maybe. Um, Stephen Bartlett. Becoming a really big fan of him because I love his story of where he came from and where he is now but he also speaks in a really humble way Mm. and he's written a really great book which kind of talks about basically becoming rich and how it's just like a load of rubbish and it means nothing and we all know it but we we really don't get it I think and we're still striving for that and I like the way in which he speaks I find him quite inspiring with he does a lot for charity as well um and yeah, I think he's a, a smart guy and I, I feel quite inspired. I like listening to his podcasts. Fantastic. Fantastic. And yeah, I, I feel I've always felt very blessed that my when my dad was um, really struggling with his alcoholism, he was also a very like high functioning alcoholic and he had a really successful business. And my family's always been kind of like working classy and but there was a very short period when my dad set up this business and was really successful and we would we we earned a bit of money we could go on holiday a few times a year and stuff like that and um that was my taste of money and it was also the like the least happy we were as a family um because of Mm -hmm. how bad my dad's alcoholism was but to everyone else we looked like we were doing incredible because we were you know I, i had i had like three games consoles and all my mates just had one or like you know like and yeah i felt yeah but so for me like the idea of striving for money just equated to unhappy so i'm I'm quite lucky in that sense you Um, learn that early on yeah yeah yeah. so i always feel i always feel like that's a really thing i'm I'm blessed by but yeah stephen bartlett i I feel like it's gonna be embarrassing if i get this wrong but he's the diary of a ceo yeah yeah and one of the dragons yeah yeah he is really cool i really i do really like him um okay the second one which is my favorite one is um name a phase of your life that you didn't like at the time 
But looking back, you know that some positives have come from it. Um, I would literally say that the 11 years struggling with this is the most of my life, <laughs> a third of my life, um, over a third of my life. My God, that's mental, isn't it? Um, struggling with an eating disorder because I now know that I can help other people to hopefully not go down the same path I did or support them through it or something. But I used to always come up with these business ideas, like I'm just full of ideas. And and then I'd tell somebody about the business idea and they'd, I'd convince them that it was a good one and they'd be like, go, go, go for it, go for it, go and do it. And I just never, nothing ever felt right. And then this beading air idea came up. I was so, it sounds very corny, but on a silent walk, probably the first time my head was ever silent, and it came to me so clear, I could see, like, what everything looked like, and, um, and that just felt so true, I couldn't let go of it, I couldn't let go of that idea, and I couldn't stop working on it since that moment, haven't, didn't stop working on it since that moment, um, so that proportion of my life was horrible, um, but looking back on it now, I really hope it's, it does it does good for other people i really do amazing thank you and yeah i think that's my favorite that's my favorite one because i always think you know if people are struggling with something similar to what you've been through the fact that you've come out of this side and you've gained something from it shows people that you know it's worth keep trying because i think we often i think i, I think having going through a mental health issue obviously is horrible but i think the fact the fact that you're kind of forced into self-awareness and forced into this mindfulness and understanding yourself is such a yeah like a blessing in disguise you know that the i what you come out with it with this this deeper understanding of yourself that other people might not necessarily like want to to do or even like feel like even realize they can do um is yeah such a benefit on that note though I, I don't know about you, but through recovery, I found that um, everyone felt everyone who was recovered that I was seeing was or was communicating online, whatever, was like, I'm recovered, food is fuel, la la la. And I just thought, I'm so far away from that. And it just mm. didn't and it didn't it, it almost didn't like spur me on enough. But it gave me a, a smidge of hope, I guess. But it it is a process. It is a process to recover and acknowledging that it's a process and I used to think that every single day I would wake up and I'd be cured it would call I called it cured as well like I like fix like a puzzle or something and and those those words don't they don't help just keep trying have kindness and compassion for yourself and those are the biggest things of all that that forgiveness wow like Mm. when I I remember I'd always berate myself going going to sleep I'd, be, I'd go to sleep and I'd be like, you're an idiot, you've just overeaten today or made yourself sick or you've under-exercised or whatever. Just I was always angry with myself and I'd wake up in the worst mood and it would just all happen again. And there was a moment where I was in recovery and I made myself sick and I was so upset and mad at myself and angry and everything. I called my cousin actually and I said, don't really normally call anyone but I felt obliged to reach out to somebody and she said to me this is where the magic is Tessa can you forgive yourself for what you did and not just say you forgive yourself but like really truly deeply feel it inside like I'm sorry I messed up it's okay I'm trying 
and and having that level of compassion and forgiveness for yourself was the biggest thing so recovery is a process but just be nice to yourself through it yeah a hundred percent um and it reminds me of you know you were saying earlier about you know how you would focus so much on the action that you did or the actions that you're doing when actually it was what was going underneath and then for me when I first started seeing my counsel it was when I was it it's when it's after I stopped making myself sick but I was still like binge eating um and I know the first one of the very first things my counselor said was because I was I was just so obsessed with like how do I stop how do I stop doing this every I do it every single night and then I hate myself in the morning and or I hate myself as soon as I finish but then I do it again no matter I just keep doing it, I can't stop and he was like it, and the first thing he said to me was like well just just let it happen then just like let it happen and mm. just like don't worry about like you know just try not to worry about it just like let yourself do it and watch yourself do it and just be okay with it he said if you're going to do it anyway just do it. Just let it, let it happen. And as soon as I just let it happen, my brain just went, oh, yeah, that's all right, actually. And like, and it, it wasn't obviously wasn't quite that easy. But, you know, I started yeah. having moments of like, oh, actually, it's OK. Like, you know, if when I don't beat myself about it so much, I don't even want to do it as much anymore. Like, yeah, it's that, wow. it was the circle of like the self-hatred that made me want to keep doing it. What you, re- what you resist persists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It does. Um, so yeah, very cool. Anyway, the final, the final of the final three. Do, 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 do. This is a tough one. Um, oh god! So feel free to feel free to pause and think if you must. Um, uh, name a phrase or word that changed your life. Mm. Be your own best friend. Um, I think that's pretty huge. Uh, yeah, like getting to know yourself, doing things that you like, making it okay to do things that you like, and yeah, being your own best friend. In you know, if you have an eating disorder, you you're not your best friend. You're harming yourself. You're probably deep in self hate and. And just acknowledging that you are you and you're going to come into this life on your own. You're going to leave on your own. And it's down to you to be friends with yourself. Amazing. I'm not going to ruin that by giving my point. I'm going to end it there. (laughs) Thank you, Tess. Incredible podcast. Um, Amazing points. Thank you so, so much. I hope you enjoyed being a part of this. Oh, of course. Love it. My second time on a podcast. (laughs) What a podcast. Uh, And I think your first one was um, full of beans, right? Yeah. 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 Hannah Hannah is a good friend of mine. Um, So, yeah, very happy to be uh, for it to be me and Hannah kind of guiding you into this world. Um, Yeah. And you're a fantastic guest. Thank you. And for everyone listening at home as always thank you so so much for making it all the way through one of these episodes and i hope to see you at the next one bye thank you so much for listening to that episode here at my mind we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast so please if you can give it a share each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that 
Also, if you want to check out myminds.com, please do. You can see all our social media things on there, and we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community. Thank you.